The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. This week on Super Skull, Nick views comic books as literature. Welcome to Super Skull Vault of Midnight's weekly new comic day audio digest. My name is Nick Weibar, and I work at Vault of Midnight, and I am obsessed with musical Hamilton. Oh, really? Tell me more. I'm joined also by Curtis Sullivan. That's me. I'm Curtis. And Marcus Schwimmer. My name is Marcus Schwimmer. I am super obsessed with the game coming out soon called The Division. Nobody cares about that. So my thing is that I've been thinking about nicknames for all three of us. Uh Yeah. And I've been trying to assign... Uh, each of us to one of the Schuyler sisters from the Hamilton music. No one knows what you're talking about. No one knows what you're talking about. That was about. a classic Peggy retort. And oh, that's what you just walked right into it. Curtis? Nice. You set that up, didn't you? Curtis is Eliza. Of course. I'm Angelica. Nice. Now that we've got that out there. And I'm Peggy. And you're Peggy. Yeah. Mm. Also, Peggy was there is usually how they is usually how she's discussed. Oh, good. Yeah. Super. Awesome. I'm going to leave you for the wasteland in the division and not even fucking feel bad about it. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's Super Skulls. we got a big show for you today. Yeah. Huge. We've Huge. Got, uh, we've got some news items that we're going to run over. Oh, yes. We have a visit from Mr. Drew Waller from the Michigan Theater to talk about Cinemanga. That's pretty cool. we got some big picks where we read a shitload of comics and we each picked one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to do the numbers. Ooh, exciting. It's been a long time since we've done the numbers. We're going to talk about what's going on in the, the financial aspects of the comic book industry. Yeah. There's some fun stuff happening. I looked at the numbers uh-huh. for January and December also. Yeah, do you want to talk about it right now? No, we'll get into it, but it was interesting. Oh, okay. We can do whatever you want. No, let's... With the magic of radio, Rachel can do <laughs> can basically make us do and say whatever she wants. In any order. In any order. You That's could do, terrifying. Like one of those internet like rap videos where like Barack Obama's like, I would never do that thing. You know, <laughs> that, that <laughs> kind of... Yeah, kinda? that's exactly it, Curtis. Nailed like, it. Man, that was... Marcus, uh, you feeling... How you doing over there, buddy? I'm doing great. You got... That was the crankiest way anybody's ever said I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing fucking fine. No, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, what are we going to start with there, uh, young Nick? I don't know. we got three minutes left in this intro. Has anybody got anything funny to say? I don't know. I uh, We knew what Marcus's big pick was going to be this week. Surprise. Well, okay. I don't know where you want me to go from that. <laughs> we got nothing. Let's Wait. dive right in to the news. In the news. In my mind, Rachel has played like a... Like a Fox News style breaking news. <laughs> no, that's like the Dateline, like... Yeah. I'm thinking of like the bomb, bomb, bomb. Oh, like that's a good one. Yeah. Big dramatic. Like, Do it again. I'll give the noise for it. I think Rachel's just gonna nail it. Oh, okay, whatever. She's just gonna splice something. Do right it. In there. So you're thinking Fox and Friends. Like and we're all on the couch. Yeah. Like like a head like an emergency has happened. That's not really an emergency. Okay. And that's the sound that they're like, Sure. So, uh, in the news this week, mm. Tom King, the infamous Tom King, is, uh, we just found out that he has an exclusive deal to write for DC and only DC. Oh, cool. But what about Vision? The Nick, Vision. His, his hot Marvel title right now. The, the Vision is going to wrap up at 12 issues, Ooh, as planned, according to Tom King. He oh, was, like he that. Was, he was always going to write 12 issues. That's cool. Which I think is okay. I'm super down with that. I think that's enough issues to tell a story. This reminds me of that She-Hulk run that we loved so much that only went 12 issues, and it was the perfect amount of She-Hulk. And it was magical. And when you found out it was getting canceled, it was a bummer, but it was still like, oh, he told the story that he wanted to tell. But then, then we found out, yeah, he was only going to do 12, and that was the plan. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. There's a lot of comics to read. So what do we think about DC wrapping up writers like uh, like Tom King and putting them on the, the exclusive payroll? I mean, Marvel does it, too. DC's not the only one to do it. Marvel, Marvel does no, the same thing. That, not to imply that DC is the only yeah. one to do it, but it, what does it, it bode for them for the future? we got a big DC relaunch coming up in a couple of months. Yeah. I, I don't know if I care about exclusives as a fan so much, but, I mean, DC seems like they need to do some stuff. Yeah. And securing a, a good writer like Tom King, Thomas King Leonidas, as I like to call him. Weird. That's not like his name at all. No. 
Um, no, that might be good for DC. They need some. They need to put some winners in their corner. And I yeah. think I think we're seeing the build up for that. We have Tom King's going to take over Batman. We, we're still going to have uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo doing Detective Comics, right, Curtis? I don't know if Capullo is coming along for the ride. I hope he is. But Snyder is going to write it. Correct. And then Dan Abnett's taking over. Dan Abnett, my, one of my favorite writers, is going to take over Aquaman. Cool with and that. And do a little bit of a relaunch on that guy. So I, I think DC is starting to see the the they're they're setting up their chessboard, if you will, and mm-hmm. they're starting to put the pieces out. But um, it's not going to matter if DC editorial doesn't pull their head out of their own ass. True. Right. So Agreed. you can have all the best writers in the game. But if your editorial doesn't release the ball gag, then these people's talents aren't going to be able to shine to their full potential. You want to just say release the ball gag? You want to you want to use a different probably metaphor at all? I don't know. That's just what came to mind. Yeah, I just picture DC editorial just holding someone's nuts. But let's say this: I'm crazy excited for Tom King on Batman. I think it's just super smart that they're Tom King is like the dude I'm most excited about writing comics right now that Mm -hmm. I wasn't who wasn't on my radar necessarily no until a few months ago between vision and uh sheriff of babylon and grayson Grayson, and omega men my dude's on fire have you gone back and read grayson yet nick no i'm gonna oh my god it's so good yeah it 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 is he is the dude to write the b-man for sure i'm juiced he's gonna do great for Mm -hmm. that because i was super bummed when i when they said snyder's off yeah I was like, no, DC's only good comic. Just yeah. kidding. They got, you know, they got a handful of good comics. But that's my favorite DC comic. But then Tom King, cool. All right, I'm cool with that. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But D- yeah, DC's in, is, uh, in dire straits right now. They could. They're, they're having some trouble, and it's, yes. and it's not looking good. It hasn't been looking good for a few months. When we, when we dive into the numbers, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at that. But stuff like this, decisions like this, um, gives me, I just want more good comics mm-hmm. in the world. So yeah. whatever they got to do to to pull their head out of their 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 butts and I wonder, figure it out. I wonder what the perk is for going exclusive. Like do you get paid more? Do you is it part of writing Batman that. is you get an exclusive? Yeah. You have to sign an exclusive cuz like Dan Abnett's writing Aquaman but he's still writing Hercules for Marvel and other but you know so he's not on that. But I wonder what what the bonus is. I really want to know. Yeah. yeah. That's something that Is it just you get the you get the A-list titles? I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. It's just super interesting because like <gasps> how much does Jason Aaron make? <laughs> G Willow Wilson is do is an exclusive for Marvel. Correct. And you know her books are the big sellers. Yeah. So I I, I just would like to know what's in that what's in that fruit basket what's in that gift bag what's in yeah. that fruit basket. Well, and that's the thing, right? When you got a really uh, great creator, right? Uh, all of a sudden they get another job. Mm-hmm. You know, and then their their attentions aren't fully dedicated to to your stuff. So I'm sure as from a publisher's perspective, you want the guy writing Batman to. Not get five more jobs. Right. You know, totally. Make it worth his while. So, In other news, uh, there's a great article on Vulture.com that came out this week about Stanley and his legacy and a little bit of a biography, a little bit of a history of the dude and his career. Who's Stan Lee, though? Who's Stan Lee? Stan Lee Lieber. Yeah. It's a really good question. Yeah. Who is he? He's an awesome titan of comics. He's probably the most recognized creator of comics. You think that's fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like far and away. He's I mean, that dude that keeps making cameos in all those Marvel movies. Oh, his Deadpool cameo was fantastic. Oh, it was so good. Um, but 70 years of Stan Lee in comics, you dudes. Stan Lee is 93 years old. That's bananas. Still doing the convention circuit, too, which is crazy. So this article, I think we, this deserves a, a longer taser, I think, Stan Lee, at some point. For sure. Because yeah, uh, he is a fascinating and complicated dude. But uh, we will link to this article in the show notes, and I think it's worth a read. What's the everybody. highlights, though? What did you find incredibly interesting about Well, it really it dives into not only his really long career like one of the most interesting things like this dude was for 20 years he was writing and editing comics before spider-man came out before, before fantastic, fantastic four, four. Rather, excuse yeah. me yep um that's a whole career right in comics before yep. he does the thing that puts him on the map and like, changes the whole marvel game and, and he's basically a middle-aged yeah. dude when he figures all of this out and he's like writing backwards for teenagers right. at that point. That was one of the interesting things about it. There's also a lot of complicated things about his legacy and how he gives credit or lack thereof to the people that he worked on these books with. One of the most interesting things was like this dude is, conti- and we know this as retailers, he's continuing to make stuff. Correct. All of the time. He, yeah, he's yeah. got like a comic right now with Graphics India, right? Chakra? He owns yep. a publishing company called POW Entertainment. POW Entertainment? Yes. And, um, 
it's like the stock is selling at like one cent to share and it's just like failure after failure after abandoned project. Yep. And, and the dude is like, his creative output still exists, but it is, it just nobody talks no, about it. No, he's working on a manga. Like, uh, Marcus said, he's working with Graphic India. He's, yeah. That autobiography just came out. The amazing, fantastical yeah. uh, Stan Lee. I mean, yeah, the dude's got a ton of irons in the fire. Yeah. Still. Um, but uh, but a lot of them not good. But a lot of them not good, and a lot of them just re- people just don't want to talk about it. It's like mm-hmm. let's talk about Stan. Let's remember Stan Lee for those books that he created that we really like, and for his cameos in Deadpool, right, or whatever. Um, anyway, it's a really great article. I think you should check it out, and we should spend some time talking about. He's super important, Stan Lee. Oh, one of my favorite things was that he saved. I had never heard this before, mm. but his the pen name Stan Lee he used. Oh, right. Because if he ever wrote the Great American Novel, he would want to use his real name, and he didn't want to waste his real name on comic books. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's very famous for cracking that one off. I love it. I love that. Yeah, I love that he's buddies with Hugh Hefner. Um, yeah, and like their whole kind of take on uh, freedom of speech and stuff. I, that stuff was really interesting, too. It's fascinating. Yeah. So. yeah. So check out this article if you have a moment. Um, and then really quickly, our last news item is uh, Deadpool made a bunch of money. So much money. How much money, Curtis? Uh, so here we go. Uh, in two weeks, this movie's only been out for two weeks, y'all. 500 million global box office. <whistles> That's crazy. It's also banned in China, we should mention, you guys. Yeah. Um, because they have a well, they have a totally different rating system. It's either like okay or it's not okay. Mm. Movie not okay. Um, so that's another three hundred million dollars, really, realistically, based on what it's doing now. So it's an eight hundred dollar move, eight hundred million dollar movie if it was out in China, which is crazy pants. So uh, it's the sixth biggest R-rated movie of all time so far. Two weeks in, mm-hmm. that's bananas. It's the biggest X-Men movie ever, you dudes. Mm-hmm. It is outgrossed domestically. So far, in two weeks, all the Wolverine movies, all the X-Men movies. I never thought of it as an X-Men movie while I was watching it. There were Not X-Men really. in it, but I don't yep. think of Deadpool as an as an X-Man. Not really. So no. I see these quotes coming up and these mm-hmm. headlines coming up. It's like, biggest X-Men movie? Is it? It's a, dead, it's a Deadpool movie. You know, yeah, he shows up at Xavier's mansion. You know, he hangs out with Colossus the whole time. Sure. He's not. They try to get him to join the X-Men. He mm-hmm. is a mutant, I guess, technically. They are gearing up to... Put him on the X Men. I guess he's going to show up in the next Wolverine movie. There's, I mean, yeah, it's probably. inevitable. So. Yeah, and we usually don't talk about this kind of stuff, like box office stuff, but it does tie into conversations that we were having last week about Deadpool as like a viable character, and also as like the the R rated thing and mm-hmm. the you know the singular voice in a movie, and like making something because you're into it, not because it's just R-rated, and whether this is this whole thing is viable, and like clearly it's viable. It's making a ton of money. Yeah, and you got to think, everyone's watching these numbers right now. Everyone in the industry, at least, yeah. is watching these numbers. And and, and hopefully they take the right messages Hopefully away they do, it. but it, yeah. we're going to see a lot of uh, moving and shaking from this movie. Yeah, so. well, it just so far surpassed it's what crazy. anybody thought it was going to do. And we're, and we're barely into this thing. We're Like I say, we're you know 14 days into it. So, I mean, wonder I if they'll cut a, d- a version of it for China. I bet they do. I wonder. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Leaving a, leaving a lot of money on the table. I mean, for me, the takeaway is love or hate Deadpool. It's uh, the creators who made it, the producers, the writers, Ryan Reynolds, the director, first-time director. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a vision, and they made their movie. Somehow, yeah. in studio... Hollywood, a superhero movie. They somehow crafted this, you know, bizarre R-rated mess. Yeah. And it's kicking ass. That's pretty cool. Very cool. So that's the news. Yeah, man. That's how, That's going to be the signature sign-off for that new segment that we're going to... That's the news. I think you should do that every time. You guys want to talk about some big picks? Mm. All right, let's do it. Mm. Let's talk about some big pigs. Every single week, a, uh, a a giant, as many uh, X-Men as there are in the Marvel Universe, think about that, how many there are. There's hundreds, so many. Hundreds. hundreds. Infinite mm-hmm. amount. Yeah. As many of those characters as there are, that's how many comics get released every single week. That's right. And uh, we're, we're here to help you pick the cool ones. <laughs> yeah, because we know about all the cool stuff. If you'll allow. Marcus, what was your pick this week? My pick was X-Men, Worst X-Man Ever, number one, by Max Bemis, and the art is by Michael Walsh. Cool. What is this? This book is about young Bailey. Bailey's in high school. He's a little bit of a nerd. 
a little bit of an outcast, maybe. And his parents sit him down after school one day, and they say, we have something really important to talk about. Mm -hmm. We're both mutants, and it's likely that you're going to be a mutant, too. Yeah. And his response is, dope, awesome, like, I have something that can make me cool and interesting, I'm going to have claws, I'm going to shoot lasers. Because his thing is that, like, he's a, it's not that he's an out, he just is the most regular dude He's just a plain He's kind of, like, benign, yeah. Yeah, he's just just a basic guy. yep. Yep. And now... He's got the X gene, and he's going to Xavier's school for gifted kids, and he's going to be an X-Men, except they find out that his power kind of sucks. Yeah, his power is know. Yeah, I don't want to give it away, but it's just like a pretty bad power. Bad power. (laughs) Yeah. But the whole thing is about what is he going to do? He's still allowed to be at Xavier's school. He is still a mutant. He got in on a technicality on that. Yeah, one. I mean yeah, he's got the sure. he's got the X gene, so yeah, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna be allowed to stay at Xavier's school. Um, but what makes this book really shine is um, Mr. Bemis. Uh, he writes he writes the feels really well. There's some really good exchanges between Bailey and uh, my man Beast. And by the feels, what the, the feels in the heart. This dude is also known as feelings or emotions. Yeah, th- okay. those as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a lot of ups and downs. You feel for this kid. If you've ever been someone who maybe feels like you're not part of the in crowd, you, you can relate to this character. Mm-hmm. Something really cool happens to him. Something that's going to kind of change his life for the better. And uh, it doesn't work out. And it's a lot of ups and downs. But the conversations that Bailey has with Beast in this book are just really awesome. I, I thought the dialogue was really spot on in this book. Just all, all around. And I like the idea of somebody... Not being super nerdy or super like cast upon, but just kind of regular. Yeah, yeah. wanting some kind of cool thing. Yeah, you know that's a you don't get that as much in comics. It's either like you're a superstar or you're like a nerd who everybody picks on. And I thought that mid ground is just kind of like a dude who wants to find his own cool thing. Absolutely, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, so. and uh, my one of my favorite X Men is in this book. Uh, Jubilation Lee. Yeah, is in it. And is she, she really? Yeah. What do you like about Jubilee? Uh, when I was growing up. Watching the 90s X-Men TV show. You, you had a crush on Jubilee? I did not have a crush on Jubilee. I had a crush on Jean Grey. Okay. Because Cyclops was in love with her, so obviously I should be in love with her, uh, too. Oh, okay. Um, you are a real Cyclops, and don't take that the wrong no, way. No, no, no. I, I take Cyclops. that as a huge compliment. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. He's always on the right path, even if people don't believe he is. Um, Except that one time when he killed Professor X and turned into a total Phoenix. fuck face. Yeah, I don't want but to anyways. Um, But Jubilee Shin Lee was like the, the young person at that time so she's the one that you could relate to a little bit easier because she was closer in age yeah um so she's yeah a teenager she, well she yeah she was awesome well, at that time he was a teen though too yeah Marcus i was actually is... 12 or 13 <laughs> yeah. sure yeah so we're right in the zone um curtis did you read this book i did how far into reading it did you realize it was going to be marcus's oh, big pick super quick um, i mean re- to be honest i knew what the book was going in yeah you know because i had to read about it and all this stuff uh beforehand um yeah, but pretty much going in before I even opened the cover, I was like, the market's probably going to like this. When I saw two dudes talking about girls in a cafeteria in a high school <laughs> on the first fucking panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, guess, yeah. guess we can rap Mark. Whatever. You don't know me. But hey, uh, one more thing <laughs> I want to talk about real quick. Michael Walsh has a really unique art style that, yeah. that gets showcased in this book. And uh, my man Wolverine is cracking me up via the art. He's just like this little... Ball of Rage is the best way well, that I would describe him, and it, it, the art style is really good. I, I thought the fun thing about this book is like they kind of the characters that are you're not focused on in the background. There's a big battle. They really archetype everybody yeah. in like a funny way, but it's just sort of happening. You know, Wolverine, yeah, it's just like skinnick, skinnick, and like yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's super stupid. Yeah, but, they're doing but the cool. shit. That, like they get attacked by a sentinel. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it just oh, it's so funny how it kind of plays out, yeah. but um. Yeah, just during these battles, it's just, you know, Wolverine swearing and Beast is... It was cool. It was the most fun I've had with an X-Men book in a long time. What else did Max Bemis do? He did something else really recently that I think we enjoyed. I'm completely blanking on it, but you're absolutely right. Let's look it up. I'm on it. Talk about how, like, this is only a five-parter. Yeah, five-parter. And I like that. This is a book that I really could rock for five issues. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think it strikes a neat tone because... You could easily put this in the kind of the Squirrel Girl or Miss Marvel camp. Yeah. But I think it has a different vibe. It's not as, I don't want to say funny. That's not the right word. It's, but It's it's not as goofball. Exactly. It takes itself, uh, it, the path that this character is on, um, you, like, some stuff happens to him pretty early. You start to really give a shit. Yeah. About what's going <laughs> to happen to Bailey and, like, 
I definitely am invested. I'm going to be on this book for, for yeah. five issues. And it had some su- super goofy moments, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I dug it. Yeah. I love it. I think so. it's, you know, I what I wanted out of Jeff Lemire's Extraordinary X-Men was like a good character writing, and I wanted to care yeah. about those characters, yeah. and it hasn't clicked for me yet for Extraordinary X-Men. I agree with you there. But this book has done it in one issue. It's gotten me I totally you, invested. I think you're right. Yeah. So, Nick, what'd you find out about Max Bemis? Max Bemis did a, a book that I really liked called Oh Kill Strike. Oh my goodness. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh that's awesome. I loved that book. He did a couple of other things too. He worked on A plus X for like uh, appearance, polarity. He did crossed Badlands but we're not going to hold that against him right right now. Sometimes you got to pay rent. Yeah. Um, And among other things. Man people are constantly telling me to read Evil Empire. Supposedly really good. I hear good things about Evil Empire. So yeah. I loved Oh Kill Strike so Max Bemis. Cool. Nick are you invested in this book? Are you going to read this book? I read the first one. It It was pretty cute. Okay. Um, yeah. What? That's what I got. That's it? It was cute? Yeah. Okay. So that's the... Th- so I read this. Can we move? Can we talk about my pick? Yeah, yeah Let's yeah. move on to Nick's big pick. Which is also about teenagers, mm-hmm. but done in a completely different way. Sure. And I literally read this and then that. Ah. And that's a, it's a terrible combo. So, I can see that. Um, my pick this week was Big Kids from Michael DeForge. Oh, I love that guy. He's a weirdo. He is in a, a good way. He is a total weirdo in the best way. Uh, this is a tiny little graphic novel, little yellow hardcover graphic novel, 1695. Oh, it's so arty. Who published it? This is drawn in quarterly. Of course. Of course it is. Um, comics and graphic novel slash literature. Sorry, I just saw that little. That's what this is. You would file this under in the Library of out. Congress. No, yeah. I think that's super interesting. I think that's bullshit. Oh, it's bullshit. Yeah. What's bullshit? It's just comics. It doesn't need to be comics slash graphic novels slash literature. It looks like they have a, a category called comics and graphic novels slash literature. So they just put comics and graphic novels all in one thing, but mm. it's also literature. Uh-huh. That's kind of interesting. Okay. At any rate. Moving uh, on, what do you got? So uh, Michael DeForge did a book called Ant Colony. Oh, yeah. Was that last year or is that 2014? Dog, I feel like it was last year, but maybe it was two years ago. Yeah, we'll take a look, or our super producer, Rachel Polk, will take a look. And um, it is it was everybody's, it was on everybody's best of the mm-hmm. year list. He uh, is a thank you, Rachel, 2014 yeah. for Ant Colony. And he's putting stuff out constantly. He's got books like every other three months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, and this just completely this is the first one I've read like as it came out the day it came out like instead of waiting to hear about all the critical acclaim that it's going to get right. I got to go in this one fresh you just read it you know what I mean um, and Big Kids is about alright so stay with me here go Kay. on so it's about a kid a teenager go on Marcus I'm here and he's he's having a hard time he's figuring his stuff out stuff's weird at home Stuff's weird. He's figuring out his sexuality. He's figuring out where is what his place is. He's kind of he gets bullied a lot, and at one point he turns into a tree. Oh, nice! And it becomes clear that many people in the world, when they reach a certain point, they they become trees. And some people never do. They stay as twigs. Oh. But when you become a tree, the perspective of the world looks completely different. And you feel sounds, and you see tastes, and you everything is just oh, I love this. completely different in the whole world, but only if you kind of reach that point. But what I love about it is that it's not necessarily about becoming an adult, because you can still be—it's not about reaching another plane of understanding and becoming like, oh, I'm a better person now, I'm a tree. You can still be completely you know, petty and self-interested and shitty and be a tree. Hmm. Yeah. Um but there but definitely something changes and a lot of the world just doesn't change. And it's about him kind of figuring out this process and like what triggered him to turn into a tree and what his life is like now. Sounds awesome. And the way that he so like here's a perfect example. So after he becomes a tree, he experiences music for the first time and music is are literally like a song is a little creature that sprouts legs. And it sprouts more legs the more complex it becomes. And then it latches onto you and crawls into your brain. That's just like music. It's it, This dude just thinks about the world in a way that is so fucking yeah. crazy that it's, it's tough to wrap my head around. Um, and the stuff that he's going through is, in the meantime, super real yeah. and super intense. Well, I like the idea of not necessarily ascending after you learn stuff, too. Yeah. You know, and that's just like a real human thing. Yes. You, you know, new information doesn't always take you to the next 
plateau. Because the easy thing to do here is like, oh, you've lost your innocence. Now you're a tree. It's yeah. not that simple. Right. Maybe it's about empathy. Maybe it's about like, oh, I, I'm able to look empathetically at the world and think about other people. And that's what made me a tree. Even if the thing that made me get there was really horrible. Sure. Uh, it's it's just very nuanced and very weird and very good. I can't recommend it highly enough. Cool, man. And cool. Just on the, just on attacking the things about being a teenager in a totally different way than uh, worst X Man ever yeah. did. It was so crazy to read one after the other. You guys just love teenagers. It's a f- I really would love you to read this book. I'd really love to see what you have to think about it. I'll read it at lunch today. Yeah, because it's not rom- it's not romanticized at all. Right. About being a teenager. Yeah. I'll read it. I'm down. Cool. So that was my pick. Big Kids for Michael DeForge. Nice. Cool. Nice big pick, man. Curtis, what was your pick? My big pick was Hellboy in the BPRD 1953. Beyond the Fences number one. Mm-hmm. Brand new Hellboy in the BPRD. So uh, this is the second series of Hellboy and the BPRD. Mm-hmm. These stories chronicle young Hellboy in his first couple of missions uh, in the field with the BPRD. So, uh, as we know, quick refresher, uh, Trevor Brunholm is the scientist guy. He's there when these Nazi dudes decide they're going to open a gate and bring a demon to help them win World War II. But they bring a little baby demon called Hellboy. Yeah. And Brunholm and the U.S. Army stop these guys, and then he becomes sort of the adopted father of Hellboy. And it's all about nature and nurture, and even though Hellboy is the harbinger of the end of all things... Even though his hand, the right hand of doom, is meant to unlock the apocalypse Armageddon, he never does because he's raised right by a great dad who instills in him great values. Um, so all that said, this is his second mission in the field. And uh, this book, Marcus, if you haven't read it yet. Oh, I read it and I loved it. I knew you would love this. So this yeah. is set in 1953. That dude's pencil mustache. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. Yeah, so this is uh, post-World War II America. Like just after. The cars yeah. are so great. It's vibrant. It's bright. It's Hellboy walking around investigating like there's some disappearances in this neighborhood and they don't know what what's the what. Yeah. It it's was, it's awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah. And now they th- kind of give you the team breakdown as you're meeting all these people for the first time. You totally. Yep. And it's like, you know, one dude was a military intelligence officer. The other one was a B-52 pilot, you know, and just like... Boom, boom, boom. Oh, it's so awesome. They do it in these great tiny little bubbles, yeah, too. Yeah, just like everything you need to know about that yep, person. Yep, So it's super concise. It's crazy well put together. Who wrote this one? This is Mike Mignola and uh, Chris Robinson. Uh, Paulo Rivera did the pencils, so you know it looks good. His Are dad, you serious? Yeah. His dad, Joe Rivera, did the inks. Oh, nice. It's one of my favorite combos. F- father-son pencils and ink teams. Oh, it does not look like Paolo Rivera. It doesn't. He's doing a really kind of crisp, clean style. Looks like Kevin Nolan, another like artist a, that I really like. And like also, you know, the Mike Mignola take that yep. all these books kind of, that's really cool. I didn't realize that was Paolo Rivera. And the last page of this book is just gets so oh, goofy and weird. It's awesome. Oh, and there's a big spread with all these demons in a war. Yeah. So um, the thing I really liked about this, I've read Infinity Hellboy, yeah. right? It just seems like it never stops. Yes. But you, this is this makes me realize I never want it to. No. This is bright. This is Hellboy walking around in a neighborhood in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. It's just great. This is yeah, and I really like the older Hellboy stuff where he's like in the forties, in the fifties. Yeah. It just everything is a little bit less because technology is hasn't gotten up there yet. Mm-hmm. Everything's just a little bit more noir. Everything's a little bit more detective, and it's not. It's not as gadgety. Communication's not instantaneous, right. so they work that into the stories. Um, and I like young Hellboy because he's he's super nice. He's like a really good kid. Yeah, you know he's like twenty two years old and he's really earnest. And you know older stories where Hellboy's like really old, he's a little more like jaded. You know he yeah. talks crap and he cracks wise. Yeah, and he, he doesn't respect authority and he is a little bit more. He's 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 chilled out a little bit. And this is early Hellboy. He's eight years old at this point. Yeah, in human years. Yeah. Yeah. This comic was the shit, y'all. It was really good. Um, this is also going to be my cover of the week. Ooh. Uh, while we're on it, this is a really nice... There's two great covers to this issue. This is the Saturday Evening Post cover mm-hmm. by Paulo Rivera and Joe Rivera. 
It's fantastic. And it's mimicking a, um, it's imitating like a, a Norman Rockwell style painting. I'm in love That's with it. It's just super beautiful. Yep. Uh, the variant cover of this was uh, by David Mack. Also really, really nice. So uh, that's my big pick of the week, y'all. Hellboy and the BPRD 1953. Again, I got to say, we every time we talk about Hellboy, if you haven't, just do it. Just jump on in. I think we did the 30th anniversary issue a couple podcasts ago. Yep. Can't say enough good things, man. I mean, we're talking 30 years later. This comic is still around and still... I Just when I think I'm not excited for a new Hellboy, and then I read it. I keep it. waiting for that to happen. I keep waiting to... Especially with these um, these 19XX yeah. titles, because they've been doing this for like five years now, Yeah. right? I keep waiting to not care about one of these books. Uh-huh. Because the premise is, they're pretty similar, yeah. all of them. Yeah. Hellboy goes someplace, the locals tell him what's going on. Sure. And then Hellboy punches a bunch of monsters and, and figures it out. Um, and especially with these ones, like, that's the formula. We get five issues of that. Mm-hmm. And I love it so much. It's, it works so well. It's so it's just thoroughly fucking charming, and uh-huh. the characters are really good. Yep. It's it, Hellboy, man. And it's always A-list talent. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, so, you know, so segue real quick, and I won't talk about it too long, but I I'm just finished watching the new X-Files. Oh, yeah. And it was totally awesome, and it made me realize I never want to stop watching the X-Files, and I don't care if they keep doing the same formula. We've been watching, like, reruns on Netflix or whatever of it. Yeah. I love it. Like, maybe just keep X-Files going till the end of time, like, never stop. Yeah. And I don't care. David Duchovny just fucking buys the farm. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And Gillian Anderson. Yeah, we. I, I love it so much. And it's like Monster of the Week, and then it's like a story where it's got more going on. Like, yeah. both of them are totally fine. Cool, it's a muck monster. That's, Hel- that's Hellboy to you. That is. Like, like Hellboy, like, it's still, it still has whatever the formula that they put together. It's like when Buffy was killing it. Yeah. yeah. It just had, all, the, the alchemy was all there to just tell stories. That's a really good analogy. You know? For sure. So... Hellboy is my uh, guilty pleasure comic book movie that I can watch those three over and over and over again. Two. Two. Sorry. I w- we always hope that there's a third. Yeah, I, I thought you. I thought that you knew about a secret third Hellboy movie. No, that you never no, told no. Us about. But like the second one, I'll watch both. I'll watch both those movies over and over and over again. It's just like my go-to weird, yeah. fun, chill movie. Great movies. Yeah. So, uh, Hellboy, there it is. What else did you read this Check week that you're excited about, Curtis? I read so much. I read, or, what, uh, or, or that you haven't read yet and that you are excited, you're anticipating. Well, I read this um, Karnak number two Wasn't that we've been good? waiting for months for. I want to see the script for this comic where it's like Warren Ellis describing a silent eight-page fight scene. Yeah. Oh, so good. So, um, DK3 stays weird. Great last page again. Can can we have an honest talk about DK3 here, Curtis? If you want, sure. Heck yeah, I'd love to. Give, give me your thoughts on DK3, because it is doing almost nothing for me. I agree me. with you, Marcus. Oh, I'm so into it, it's you guys. Doing nothing what, for me. So this is what I need. I need. I need you to tell me what about it is really doing it, because I read it and I think this is boring and bland and nothing is new or exciting about this book. Yeah, I And don't... I want you to point out to me why I'm wrong, because this book is selling incredibly well. It is. It's killing so it. So I, ne- I need someone to, to pull back the veil and show me what is noteworthy around this book, because I get nothing. So, you know, we have our heated debates about what's good and what's bad, and the, the, the bottom line is you like what you like. and you, you Totally. Know? And so, but that said... Uh, this is just, I don't know, I thought I was going to hate it. And I'm loving it. It feels like Frank Miller extruding some of uh, the, the bad stuff. You know, it's like it's like take Dark Knight uh, and, and pull out some of the stuff I don't like, older Curtis doesn't like, which is sort of the meanness and the heavy-handedness. It still has it enough where it feels like Dark Knight. It feels like that universe. Um, but I'm just about it. Hmm. I'm about Andy Kubert's art. I love the way that Klaus Johnson and Andy Kubert like make it look like Frank Miller and make it look Dark Knight, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't. It looks like their own stuff. Um, there's a great scene of Batman and Robin um, headed to the Fortress of Solitude in the snow, and it's just like visually is super great. Um, I love the the twist on the Kandorians. You know, they've been released from Kandor. We already talked about that. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, they've been made huge. So now there's tons of super people yeah. on Earth, and they're doing the obvious, you know, Humans are ants. We will crush them. Yeah, that's the thing. And I'm right there with you, Marcus. It's, but it doesn't do anything that hasn't been done. And it's not doing 
this stuff that I've seen a lot, it's not yeah. doing it well. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a, like, for me, it's like when you eat a salad and at the end you're done, you're like, oh, that was a perfectly okay salad. This like, is, it's just, I like, yeah. like, I guess I put some nutrients into my body, maybe. Like, it's just totally. You're saying you don't love salad? I love salad, oh, okay. but. This, with this comic, it's just like... <laughs> That's it, a weird analogy. And, well, you know, it's like when you eat so, eat anything. And it's like, oh, you know, this that was I totally... I consumed that. Yeah, I consumed... Th- exactly. And that that's what I get out of this comic is like, yes, there are some moments where I think the art would make like a great poster or something. Yeah. But because the the writing doesn't give a feeling of deep important context, it doesn't do anything for me. It's uh, almost in the other direction. It's it wants so bad to be deep and important. Yeah, maybe no, that's I, it. I, I, it's shooting so hard for that. No, I think it's it's that's the weird thing for and me. I'm not, I'm not trying to shit in your pool. I just like it's striking for me the perfect tone hmm. of this comic was written in 1984, but it's it's just modern enough thanks to brian azzarello i love it I, I i'm and i'm shocked that i do um i like the mini comics in between by frank miller the green lantern one was super cool this week i love the last page with the daughter showing up anyways Every, and this is done the great last page this is three issues in where the last page i thought was like yes a great end of an, a comic let's read the next issue I'm shocked that I like it. I'm all about it, and I think there's a certain crowd, and I think that's why it sounds so well that this is it's definitely really a crowd a, a, for it, appealing yeah. to. Um, yeah. So, but uh, Marcus, let's talk about something that you and I really uh, agreed on oh, this week man, and that we yeah. loved. Daredevil number four. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna try not to get emotional about this comic, but I think it might happen. I'm I sorry. Let, let I'm gonna apologize in advance, flow. Nick. Get adva- Why don't apologize to me? So Marvel has announced recently that they're gonna bring Steve Rogers back as young Super Soldier Steve Rogers. Okay. Do, they, do we know how that's gonna happen, or is it's that... the it's the outcome of Standoff? Standoff, which is the crossover that Marvel's gearing up for right now, the big summer crossover. Pleasant Hill, Marcus's Hill's, big yeah. pick last week, which was good, but th- we know that like after the end of Standoffs. Somehow, Steve Rogers will be young, super soldier Steve Rogers again. Got it. Um, And I think that's a real damn shame, because I read books like Daredevil number four, which is a mix of younger Daredevil under the guidance of an older, more experienced Steve Rogers, and it's the best fucking Captain America shit I've ever read in my life. It's... Daredevil is seeking out Steve Rogers because he needs some form of justification for the actions that he's doing. And Steve is kind of guiding, Steve's doing what he's been doing for a while now. He's guiding these superheroes kind of as mission control. And um, it, it's, I, I don't want young Steve Rogers anymore. This book was so good. And the conversations had between these two characters were perfect and i'm really bummed that we're getting young steve rogers and i never thought i would say that but brian soul writes this shit so and curtis gets it too he knows exactly what charles I'm soul charles soul not sorry not brian soul um brian michael soul brian michael soul yeah it's i don't want steve to be young yet. i like old steve rogers and i love what they're doing with him in this book so this is where it gets tough because i'm reading uh i don't want to Put things into into rules, right? Into a box, right? I'm reading Batman right now, as we all know. Yeah. In issue 49, a big old thing happens. As a lot of people know, Jim Gordon's been Batman for a while. Bruce hasn't been able to be Batman due to him, his mind being incapable. Yeah. Obviously, Bruce Wayne will return as Batman. As a Batman fan, in my heart, whatever happens to the character, he dies, he can't be Batman, somebody else is Batman, uh, at the end of the day whether it's six months or a year later, to me as a as a Batman fan, I want Bruce Wayne back in the cowl as the bat. How and that's do we get Steve there? Rogers to you? And that's Steve Rogers to me. And that's Steve. how do we how do we get there? Right? The way they did it. So in Batman, I was I'm reading it, you know it's gonna happen. You're like, how are they gonna do it? It's gonna, there's no way they can make this awesome. Yeah. Issue forty nine was totally freaking awesome. Scott Snyder nailed it. You know, it's it goes back to like that Doc Ock Spider Man thing. I thought that was the dumbest boneheaded mind switch idea ever, right? And what you're talking about is when Doc Ock kills Peter Parker's Correct. mind and takes over yes, his body. Yes, and then the yeah. mind of Dr. Octopus yep. is living in the body of Peter Parker, who is no longer a person. That's a horrible idea, yeah. right? On paper. You're like, what are you doing? Don't do That's the worst. Some of the best, you know, but issues of Spider-Man. I think why, why I'm going to disagree with you a little bit is because, like, 
this progression of Steve Rogers to the older man, the guiding hand of the Avengers in the Marvel Universe. I'm into it. This is like a natural progression for this character that makes sense and dignifies this character. Bringing him back and giving him a laser shield is horseshit. Well, and well it, we don't know. It hasn't come out yet. I we don't, we don't that, know. They, like, could, they could pull it off. Uh, depending on who's writing it. I don't think so. It. I don't, and you're calling it, it now. You're saying it's going to be bad. No, I'm not. It's not that it's going to be bad, but like that's that's not what Steve Rogers is about. Steve Rogers isn't about laser shields. He's like rooted in history, and by making him older and making him this kind of guiding force for the Marvel universe, it is the perfect progression of that character. He doesn't need to go back because he's doing what he should be doing now. He's being what he should be. Look, and, I, and so for some folks, the, to turn him into an older character. That was sacrilegious to Captain America sure. to like take mm-hmm. him out of the field and to those types of purists. So, you, you, we just don't know. And you yeah. put a good writer in charge, and you don't know what they're capable of. So, and and we do agree. I loved this. This is one of the best single issue comics I read this week. It's we, awesome. I was all about it. The book is. Uh, this is no, Daredevil yeah. number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Ron Garney on art and Charles Sewell writing. Mm-hmm. Ron Garney doing a real good JRJR. It's making me think of JRJR, except I like it. That's yeah. John Romita Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I normally despise, but this guy's doing a real nice sort of John Romita and killing it. Um, but that said, at the end of the day, I want Steve Rogers, Captain America. Maybe not without, maybe not the laser shield. You know, fair enough. But um, you know, one doesn't have to supplant the other, too, right? I mean, I feel like we could get both kind of stories. Yeah. Um, but status quo with these characters, I mean, we know it's always coming back. I, I will you know, say yeah, that's the thing, right? What, what we end up with is you could read this issue as a single issue, and I encourage you to just pick it up. Oh, just just four, dive right into just it. Just dive right in. You can cool. read it as a one shot. Yeah, you don't need to know and, anything it, else. And it's beautiful. Yep. We've talked very long about it, but it's great. No, cool. I'm, I'm with you. I dug it. Nick, did you have any other things really quick that you were juiced about this I really, week? really did. Um, first of all, we got a, a preview copy of a book, which we normally don't talk about, um, but it's called Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Oh, yeah. It's from Black Mask Studios. It is. Matthew Rosenberg wrote it. Who who's that? Uh, he did a book called "Don't Tell Me We Can Never Go Home." That's the one. I, had to, I got there. Oh, nice. I think, oh, it feels so good to get there. Yes. Uh, and which we all loved. Which we all loved. One of our favorite books of last year, I would say. It was a great, great. series. Yep. Um, and this is from this exact same creative team that did "We Can Never Go Home." They did a as they sent out. Did you read the the letter that they wrote to retailers? I didn't. And they did a they did a comic to retailers told from the perspective of the characters that are in the book oh, cool. that goes at the front of it. It was really really funny, um, and it totally worked also because it was making me think about you. This kind of book needs so much support right off the bat, or it's not gonna happen. It's got to hit the ground running. It's got to hit the ground. Yep. Fucking booking. Yep. And we can never go home. Had like a slow burn, and it yep. picked up, and it got a lot of people's attention. Um, but. If you read comics, if you have a subscription to comics, if you liked We Can Never Go Home, or if you like a really good comic, if you like a really good comic, what is that? What? No, that implies that yeah, it was you a, should. It was just a stupid thing to say. Well, I don't know. I liked it. So if you like We Can Never Go Home, or if you like good comics, then go to your re- local comic shop and add it to your subscription list. Yeah. Those pre-order numbers are hugely, hugely helpful. Please Super do that. important. It helps the retailer figure out what to get because there's no they they are locked in after they order it. So if they don't order enough, then it's not going to be on the shelf. It helps them figure out what people are into. Um, this is a it was really really neat. Four kids walk into a bank. It's about these kids who are um, they're going to rob a bank so that their dad doesn't have to. That's kind of like the upshot. Yeah, it's really really neat. I, uh, they sent out a full PDF that I got to read. Yeah, it was a quite good first issue. And on a quick note, uh, those first printings, those initial orders, they're so important because I was reading this thing. Uh, I can't remember where I was reading it, but second printings, third printings are more expensive because yes. you're printing less. Yes. So for a small publisher, you know, people are like, just do another printing. I'll get the other printing. It's more expensive uh, for a publisher to go back to press. It's really tough, especially so, for a smaller publisher like, yeah. like Black Mask. Absolutely. Like this one shot, the first printing of the first issue will, can oftentimes a book will live or die based on that. Yep. Yep. Uh, so please check it out. Also, we've completely run out of time, but Kaiju Max Volume 1 came out, or Kaiju Max Season 1, as they're calling it. Oh, yeah. Kaiju Max is the weirdest comic, weirdest and best comic that you're not reading. Giant Godzilla Kaiju Monsters. On a prison island. Nice. It's like Godzilla meets 
Oz, the HBO prison show. Yes, exactly. And it's is and it's horrible yeah. and wonderful. It's got gut wrenching for sure. And it looks like it looks cartoony and good. Did you read it? Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, I'm glad I read it. <laughs> I, I don't good know hesitation. If I'd, I don't know if I'd read it again. Yo, oh yeah. I don't think there's a need to read it a second time. Super intense. Very intense. Very well written. But you've never read anything like never it. Never read you? a comic like it. No, this book will catch you off guard if nothing else. You will go into this book thinking some stuff. Yeah. And you will be surprised. Kaiju Max. Yeah. Volume one. Say just real quick. Uh, Wild's End is done. Number six came out of six. Okay. Uh, this week. Uh, which means the trade will come out soon. So get excited for that. Nice. What's that over there in the distance? Is oh. that do I spy a Drew Waller? Why? Well, yes. Drew, yes, that's me. Drew, Drew Waller, director at the Michigan Theater. Drew Waller? Yes. Head of programming for this wonderful series Cinemanga that we've been talking about for Absolutely. weeks on end. Absolutely. The Cinemanga film series happening now through April. The that's executive me. overlord, I think <laughs> is your official title. The observer. The yes, all-seeing yes, eye. But without a big head and awkward in places of space. I feel like well, I've seen you in that outfit in the projector booth, like the undies and the in the white cape. Is yeah. that is that did I see that? I or? feel like I saw it and I felt like you were rocking it. See, this is the reason why I don't use social media because things like that get captured and get put out there, and, and then you're defined by that. I know, and it, it's completely unfair, uh-huh. especially when you're omnipresent. That's true. That's what the observer when you're, is. You, when and you're, he should probably know. You can't right. escape it. <laughs> Drew, talk to us about so oh. manga. What's going on? So. I am thrilled that we are continuing this into March because March seems to be a very big month because it actually has five Wednesdays in it. Ooh, even, does it? Is that even possible? I don't know. I'm going to have to look at this. I think March has like seven or eight Wednesdays. Yeah. In it. Well, either That's way, five Wednesdays in the month of March that are going to include some epic, epic cinemanga. Talk to me. What do we got? So we've got. Attack on Titan, mm-hmm. we've got Battle Royale, we've got Metropolis, we've got Tekong King Crete. Mm-hmm. I can never say that. I right. love Tekong King Crete. Thank you. Ooh, wow. You just rolled right through it. Tekong yeah. King Crete. And Therma Rome. But that's not all. So we also have, for the kiddies, because basically what happens is Attack on Titan and Battle Royale is just a lot of bloodshed. Cool. So to help make sure that we alleviate that, we also talk about dystopian issues, but mm-hmm. through Nausicaa. Of the Valley of the Wind. Dang, that's a good movie. Yeah, Nausicaa was very important to me as a as a kid. But kids don't have any money. They don't they don't have wallets or, or checking accounts. How can they see the movie? I am so happy you said that because guess what? It's part of the Toyota Family Family Film Series, which means it's free. For Shut kids up. twelve and under. I can't. Because <laughs> then you wouldn't know it was free. That's excellent. So you're saying you won't get right out of town because it's the truth. Yes. Perfect. Because I would have said, something like, get out of town. You'd be like, no, I can, I'm not going to. No, I'm staying right here. So but it, if that wasn't enough, mm-hmm. the great thing about March is that we have had success with the Cinemanga film series over the last couple months. And folks have taken notice. And not just you three who have been talking so wonderfully mm-hmm. about the Cinemanga film We definitely series, took notice. Mm-hmm. Which I truly, truly appreciate in that. The studios have taken notice. And so now we are also adding to our regular programming at the state, uh, The Boy and the Beast, mm-hmm. which will be opening on Friday, March 4th, and a two-day only Psychopaths, the movie. Psychopaths is the name of the movie. That's not like a type of movie ticket that you can get. C- correct. I would love to have a Psychopaths. That'd be awesome. Hi, you should let me in. I'm Psycho. Thanks. <laughs> Sold. Yes. Is that like a discount? Is that like an upcharge, though? That'd be like $2 extra for Psychos. <laughs> Well, if I walk in, they should be giving me $2 yeah. with my Psycho Pass. Well, that's good news. I mean, it's going so well. You're adding movies, Drew. That's I exciting. Am. But I can't do it if it wasn't for the support of you all. And Aww. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is a testament to the fact that these are films that not a lot of folks have seen, mm-hmm. but it's really important to us to make sure that they are seen in the format that they are in because we're showing it on the big screen. Yeah. You could take out your iPad. You could do it on your phone, and that just wouldn't give you the experience that we're trying to give you at the State Theater and part of what we do. Holistically, mm-hmm. we do this experience in so many different ways when you walk in the door. I know our friends at Vault of Midnight are here at the State Theater every week mm-hmm. selling fantastic manga that is the source material from these films. 
But also we are doing Japanese concession items mm-hmm. at the concession lobby. With, I love that. I know. What are some of those concession items? Um, a Liz Sullivan recommended. Curtis, your wife's named Liz Sullivan. Oh, that's right. I am married to her. Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> she she wants the Every Burger, and we gave it to her. Yeah. She what knows is the Every up. Burger? It is this insane little cookie that you wouldn't know it's a cookie. It basically looks like it should be a jelly bean mm-hmm. or something, but it's bourbon-baked cookie with chocolate frosting that looks like a burger, and on the top, there's tempura that's supposed to be sesame seeds. Oh, that sounds delicious. Oh, awesome. They're Crack Rock. I want five of them right now. Yes. Well, every burger. Oh, my God. That's such a good name. And and there's a little character on it who looks like he's just basically going psycho (laughs) with every burger goodness. Because he's eaten one of them. Yes. And now he's fucked. And now he's talking in kanji. Well, I'm super excited for this Psychopaths movie. I'm going to try to to make it. It seems from the cover image to have all of the things that I love. It looks a little dark and mysterious. Everyone has great hair. And it looks like the main character smokes a thinly rolled cigarette. Nice. So it looks like it's full of drama. I'm pumped about it. I just love this whole event, man. It's it's just it's such a neat idea to 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 highlight movies that don't get a lot of attention. True. In a theater, mm-hmm. and by extension, to include us and allow us to talk about the comics that a lot of these things are springing from. I just love the whole thing from top to bottom. Absolutely. And yeah. you all helped us create what we have a manga art gallery when you walk in Mm -hmm. and that to me I think has been really fun is people seeing the actual stills from the manga that then of course created the storyboards which then created the films yep and both in live action and anime which goes back to why I'm so excited about our upcoming one which is Attack on Titan where Nick Wybar that's me also known as Bloodstone Mm -hmm. as I hear pork chop also (laughs) I got a lot I got a lot of different nicknames got a lot of nicknames Oh, and I don't want to know when these are used. I'm excited about the fact that we are going to be showing Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind to go back to Mr. Marcus, mm-hmm. Seahawk. So can I say this? I have seen that movie maybe five, ten times, yeah. a lot of times. I'm so psyched to see it on the big screen. Yeah, like I've never you... seen it on the big screen. No, never. Yeah, never. And that's the other cool part about this, like Lone Wolf and Cub. I've seen that movie 20 times. But I've never, never on seen a big it on screen. a big screen. It was so cool to see that way. Yeah, To so, see him walk through fire and water. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Yeah, with a bunch of people. Totally rad. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that aspect's totally cool. Thank you so much, Drew. Thanks for coming in and telling us about it. Cinemanga runs through April, every Absolutely. Wednesday at the every State Wednesday. Theater, with some special events also. And you can find out more about everything that's being played as part of this event online at mishtheater.org. M-I-C-H-T-H-E-A-T-E-R, we're not fancy enough for an R-E, mm-hmm. .org, forward slash cinemanga. Or you can check in our show notes, and we'll have a link to all of that stuff. Yeah, you can also win free tickets to see a Cinemanga show uh, every week. We have a contest, and on our Facebook page, Vault of Midnight's uh, Facebook. That's true. Which and we'll it, also list in the show notes. And if you're in the comic shop and do something awesome, maybe we'll just give you one. Yeah. Wow. Got to got to come in. You yeah. got to earn push-ups. it. Kind of awesome. Push-ups, I think, are push-ups acceptable. earn. Cinemanga tickets yep. for sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if they're done in public display. Absolutely. That's really yeah. important. Yep. Yeah. I'd yeah. be all over that. Thank but, you so much, Drew. We really appreciate you coming out and hanging out with us, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excellent. Brilliant. Let's do the numbers. But, uh... After a surprising, staggering December that saw comic book and graphic novel sales up a combined 22% for the month, January brings us back down to Earth a bit, with a 5% decline across the board. Marvel dominated the month with a 44% market share, nearly doubling its nearest competitor, DC, which held at about 22%. Image Comics came in third, with just a hair under 10%. Marvel claimed eight of the top 10 spots for single-issue sales in January, but missed claiming the number one position by a mere 7,000 copies to Image's Walking Dead number 150. Only Batman, Lonely Batman sulked in to represent a third publisher in the top 10 uh, at spot number 8 with 100,000 copies sold. Guess how many spots Marvel nabbed in the top 10 graphic novels? I'm going to say 9. 8. It was 9. Yes. It was 9 out of 10. That wasn't a guess. I looked at the numbers. (laughs) God damn it. Good cheat. Good use of cheat. Good cheat, Curtis. We never would have known. Um, 
That is completely insane. All yeah. of the numbers uh, that we are talking about today are provided courtesy of and without permission from ICV2. Thank you, ICV2. Those guys are great. Those guys are great. I hope they never find out about this. 44% market share, y'all. 44% market share. So this is what I want to talk to you guys about. Marvel Comics, man. Marvel Comics, DC is hurting. Yeah. True. We talked about this at the beginning, at the at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. But they're hurting. Um, what do they need to do? What's going on? Well, so Please solve this we'll, for I mean, me right we'll, now. We'll start by saying that we've been in business for almost two decades. And as for as long as I've been looking at numbers, Marvel and DC have re- represented roughly a similar market share. Yes. Give or take. You know, one will pull away with a big event or some publishing event that will, you know, they'll pull away a little bit. But we're talking... Short term. Yeah, short term. We're talking... But they've both generally been 30 35% market share companies. Forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Marvel just consistently in the last... What, year? Year and a half? Year and a half? Has been incrementally increasing their lead. Um, wow. DC. Yeah, we were talking about it a little bit last night, and I think it's really rooted in the fact that we see books from Marvel like Hawkeye, like Hercules, um, these little, you know, it's a superhero book, but it's kind of uh, layered with a slice of life. These guys are living in apartments, they're doing the normal thing. Isn't that interesting that that is like exactly what Stan Lee built the Marvel idea on? Right. Exactly. They're not reinventing the wheel here with this stuff. It's relatable superheroes that wear tights and punch stuff, but also live in apartments. And try to date and go on dates and that, that make is, it rent. That is exactly why yep. Marvel hit its its time and its moment in the fucking 70s and yeah. in, in in 60s. Now, and now we're coming back to it. And I think the issue that we're running into is that's not anywhere near DC Comics formula. DC superheroes are godlike in nature. They always have been, and I wonder if that is running its course. I'm wondering the the most popular DC superhero right now is Batman, a dude with no superpowers. Yeah. Right. So I'm wondering if the Superman, Aquaman, gods, Titans, masters of the universe. I wonder if that's running its course. I, you and know, people are just not interested I, in. It I don't anymore. think so. I think I think Marvel's killing it because it's so broad. Because yeah. they're still doing Avengers. They're still doing Secret Wars, which is like... Big, cosmic, yeah. godlike and, stuff. Yeah, right? And they're doing Silver Surfer. They're just all over the map. Marvel just is way more, I think, diverse in hitting more of these different pockets of... You know, they're getting younger even, readers. Even, they're getting teenagers. They're getting old-timey comic dudes. You know, Even Silver Surfer, though, is a little... I mean, yeah, it's like a big cosmic story, but it's still a slice of life. They're still sitting down watching a movie on the girl's birthday. So it's like it's you know totally I mean? a lot more approachable. I think you're right. I can jump in to any issue of Miss Marvel. I can jump yep. into yeah. any issue of Silver Surfer. and just get, If I jump into an issue of even a pretty good approachable title like Superman, right. I'm going to be lost. Totally. Right? So I don't know if that is just kind of continuity, slavishness... If that's the problem, or if it's just a general idea about like the f- the fun uh, in comics, like if they if they just both approach like well, how much fun should a comic be? If right. those two companies just approach those in totally different ways, or I don't know if those con- those decisions are made on a on a conscious level. Really, I, I wonder. Maybe you just put writers in charge and let them do their thing and see what happens. Just look at the books that I do like from DC, and like Batgirl is a huge one. It's probably my favorite, one of my favorite DC books right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit more Marvel in nature about how they're writing. They're True. taking some cues. Yep. But man, when I sit down with a Superman book, even written by Gene Yang, who I love, I think he's a great dude, it's it's not approachable. I feel a lot more, when I read DC books from writers that I really like, I can I see their voice, I can hear their voice a lot less than in a Marvel book. That's what I'm saying. Totally their, their stamp is, is less on it. And, and we're just inferring, but is that editorial? Right, because what what is causing that? Right, what is causing that? Yeah, that's what's so frustrating. Yep. Is I want to know, but nobody can talk about it because you'll never work in this town again. Absolutely. Right. And we heard there was a you know two years ago there was a lot of scootle boot. Yeah, writers were getting cheesed off and splitting from DC. Right, and there's always some of that, you know. But yeah, there was that big exodus from DC yeah. a couple of years. Remember ago. Remember when Rob Liefeld was like, DC editorial is. They're not even letting me write Hawk and Dove the way I want to. And how to. can you pin right? You can't put Rob Liefeld in a corner. You never. You gotta let that eagle fly. That's right. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it. It's kind. It's easy to joke about, but 
a lot of these superheroes that we know and love, like they're just not getting the attention or the creative talent that maybe they deserve. and Or they have the talent and the person's not allowed to do what they want. Because, man, uh, it's getting real. Like, I've been reading Aquaman since they relaunched it with New 52. Yeah. And there's some good chunks of it. Absolutely. But it's pretty formula at this point. Aquaman. Yeah, I fell and, off, uh, but I, I've read the first, you know, twenty plus issues and, and quite enjoyed it. Yep. But if it's all editorial, like, how do you account for books that work out really well? How do you account for Tom King doing Omega Man, or how do you account for Scott Snyder doing Batman? Like, with the same editors, in theory, the same larger editorial boards breathing down his neck that's breathing down anybody else's. Yeah, neck. but I you wonder. Use, you use Omega Man as an example, but DC editorial canceled that book. That's true. And right? it was only because fans stood up and said, like, yeah. You know, it seems like these, unless the formula, they, they get a little bit of wiggle room, but if it if that, whatever makes that weird doesn't work out pretty mm-hmm. quickly, it gets it gets stuffled a little bit. Batgirl has really uh, pretty acceptable sales numbers, so I think they're letting it ride. But man, I think if, the, if issue one or issue two of that book didn't do as well, that would have, they, we'd see a old school Barbara Gordon once again. Right. It's a bummer. So, yeah. Um, and it's only it's it. There's just no getting around the fact that like something's going on, and now it's people are are, are talking with their dollars, and you and you can actually see that there's a there's there's a problem for DC. Absolutely, I want, and I want a strong DC. Of course, as a as a uh, as a capitalist, and as somebody that works in a comic shop, I want that, and as a comic book reader, I want that. Well, and you know, to be honest, I do the orders every week, and you know, uh, Batman is consistently still, you know. If, if there's a nine-page reorder going in, like a page of it's Batman. Sure. But also, uh, you know, two pages of that are Marvel, and uh, last week a full page of it was Deadpool. Right. So. Right. Yes. Um, and, yeah, 22 to 44%. Yeah. That is crazy pants. I can't ever recall seeing that. So all that said, right, Rebirth. Everybody on the internet is talking about DC's rebirth, and by everyone, I mean people who talk about comic books. And this was this is equivalent to the New Fifty Two, sort of, sort of. It's another launch. It's another it's relaunch launch. of DC Comics. They're going to yep. change some numberings around. This Correct. Um, I'm incredibly psyched for it, and I think this is an opportunity for DC. It is. New Fifty Two was also. Absolutely. New Fifty Two was humongous when it came out. Mm-hmm. It was. I I thought it was hugely successful. Uh, and the numbers bear that out in our stores. Yeah. It, it's sold super well. People were super excited. Got a lot of people in the shop. Yeah. I hope Rebirth can, uh, you know, shoot DC in the pants. They got to win some people back, though. Yeah. There, there have been a lot of people who pieced out from DC Comics. It's true. So. The only other piece of uh, ICV2 news I wanted to talk about for the numbers is that Barnes & Noble just announced that they're going to start doing casual games gatherings. <laughs> And you know what they're called? What? Casual Game Gathering. God damn it. Yeah, so here's the thing. I mean, that name sounds like we've given up. I think it's hilarious. I think good luck, guys. As somebody that did a casual game gathering every week for many years, have a great time with that, Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Joy. Hey, uh, can we say that Image took number one with Walking Dead 150, though, also on the numbers? Yes, they did. D- did you read that book? You read that book? It's crazy. I did. Oh, yeah, I read Walking Dead every month. You yeah. have for 150 issues. Yeah? I have. Yeah. I might have missed a issue or two. I know that about it. I'm just, I really want you to talk about Walking Dead. Oh, it's uh, not my number one favorite comic book. Someday, but you read it. Someday, listener, it every if, we're all, if we're all lucky, if we're all very well behaved, Curtis will recap an issue of Walking Dead for us <laughs> in the way that he does oh, okay. off mic every week, and it is the best. But we'll just have to, we'll have to leave that in, in theoretical land. Yes, for now. This time. And that's going to do it for us today. Our producer and editor is Rachel Polk. Our music was created by A-Bomb. We might even have a new theme song next week. Oh, really? All of our art and design was created by Philip Wong. Very special thanks to the Ann Arbor District Library for the use of their recording studio. Thank you, Freedom Shrine Recording Studio. Uh, Please subscribe and download and review Super Skull on iTunes if you please would do that. Awesome. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and at our website, Super Skull Show, is how you find us. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996. My name is Nick Veronica Wybar. Angelica. Shit, I fucked it up. And I'm Curtis Priscilla Sullivan. Liza, very good. <laughs> and I'm Marcus 
Betty? Peggy. Peggy? Schwi Fuck, I hate these names. I'm Marcus Schwimmer. Thank you, Peggy. We wish you very good reading. Until next week. That was so Peggy. Classic Peggy. Fuck both of you. How do you get that microphone closer to your mouth, Rachel? <laughs> she's she's a pro. Oh boy, she's like there's. Do you need to pull that. this forward? No. Are you good? Because it makes me feel super awkward. All right, good. That's, That's where we good. want you to. We want yeah. you to yeah, be in a place where you feel super awkward yeah. and weird yeah. before we start talking. It. Yeah, I mean, because basically now I'm I'm in this weird like three man sandwich called Super Skull. Yes, you are. And I I really wasn't quite ready for all that's that. the title of this week's episode rachel <laughs> <laughs> a three-manned sandwich called, called super skull yeah well you know type I'm that up a candy colored clown they call super skull <laughs> <laughs>